0: Well, here I am, all by myself, in an empty auditorium. And I have to tell you, it feels very strange. I'm standing at the pulpit, looking out on empty seats that would normally be filled on a Sunday. And I'm thinking of the, the people that would be seated in their usual places on Sunday. I see your faces. And I want you to know that we're thinking of you, whether you're hearing this on your own or as you're gathered together with a few others, I hope that this will be a shared experience that will remind us that in a deeper way, we are together. We belong to one another because we belong to Christ. And though distance and circumstance may have come between us, they cannot separate us. Though we may not see one another, we are not without one another. I pray that God will use this communication to bring encouragement and joy and peace into our lives together in the midst of some very difficult circumstances. I want to say thanks to Keith Daly for being willing to change up on short notice. Keith was scheduled to preach On Sunday, and he has graciously allowed for me uh, to have the opportunity to address you. Well, things have changed so dramatically, even in a few days. There have been a remarkable number of closures that have just stunned us. There's been mayhem in the stock markets that have caused all kinds of anxiety. Precautions have ramped up incredibly fast and in such a a, a wide expression. These are truly challenging circumstances. And I know that you're thinking about your loved ones. You're thinking about your children. You're thinking about your parents and your grandparents. You are thinking about seniors and you're thinking about vulnerable persons, You're thinking about uh, people across the globe that are affected by this and you're thinking about the people across the street. Let me remind you that we're thinking about one another and uh, we carry one another in our hearts and certainly our God carries us in his. I want to pray and uh, ask God for his blessing as we have this different kind of time together and as we seek his his grace in the midst of the wider circumstances father in heaven thank you for your presence now and always thank you that you are the sovereign god who leads and rules and governs with wisdom and grace lord we have so much in our hearts to give to you so many concerns so much that is unknown, we have so many questions. And Father, we just want to come before you in worship and ask that you would be exalted. And we pray that you would care for us. And that by the wonderful ministry of your spirit, who is not limited by space, that we would know your comfort and peace and your direction. Bless, Lord, as we meditate upon your word, we pray. In the name of our King, Jesus, amen. Well, I have no doubt that you're asking all kinds of questions just like I am. Firstly, just what is going on? Trying to keep up with everything that is transpiring is, is almost exhausting. And then, why would God allow this to happen? Big question. And how could we allow this to happen in our day and age? And we're asking, what are the lessons to be learned? Some of them would include the revelation of how vulnerable we are. We realize in a, maybe a, a stronger sense that no one is immune, no one. And this seems to be the great equalizer in many ways. It reminds us of our mortality. We also have questions about how we, how we move forward in this. How do I pray in this context? Or how do, I, how do I do the good work of relieving suffering in this context? How do I empower grace and goodness and love? Well, the scriptures have direction to give us. And I want to offer you a few simple thoughts. Um, I want to take you to some wonderful and familiar words of Jesus that I find just so helpful in these moments. From Matthew 6 and verse 25 in the next few verses, it would be helpful for you to have your Bible and just to uh, read through uh, along with me and uh, consider these things as the Spirit brings them to our hearts. Matthew 6.25 says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not the life more than food and the body more than clothes? Notice this. First, Jesus says, don't worry. Don't worry. Jesus reminds us that life is greater than food. This is part of the more than principle that Jesus, uh, Jesus brings to us here. It's uh, life is greater than food and the body is greater than its clothing. There's a, an emphasis here upon that which is greater, which God has supplied. I know that there are many who have been stunned by the, by the closures. Uh, I need to let you know that there, life is, uh, there's, there's something greater than uh, basketball. There's something greater than NHL. There's something greater than professional sports. One of my sons was, uh, was so um, taken, so affected by the uh, announcement of the closure of uh, these uh, major sporting uh, events that he, uh, he had to breathe into a paper bag uh, to prevent himself from hyperventilating. <clears throat> There are those that uh, need to be reminded that life is greater than supplies, whether it be how much toilet paper you have stocked up or whether you've purchased all of the Lysol wipes in the area and then try to resell. The point Jesus makes to us is a very profound one. Greater than all of the losses we might count are God's blessings. God has given us life. God has given us breath. God has given us one another He's given us resources and he's given us strategies to combat this together. Don't worry in part means let's not lose sight of the greater things that God has provided for us. We need to understand that worry is not a little weakness that we all give way to from time to time. Worry, according to scripture, is a sin that is strictly forbidden. One New Testament scholar, R.H. Mounts, says, worry is practical atheism and an affront to God. You see, what this means is, (laughs) worry is essentially a failure to trust God. Yet, in every circumstance, God is trustworthy. For disciples uh, to be of little faith, as Jesus says of his disciples in verse 30 of this chapter, this is something that, hurts God greatly it means that we don't trust him and that is always grievous it means that we don't put God first but instead all of these things these other things come first our ambition as disciples must be to put God first and his kingly rule at the top of our list of priorities it still remains the first thing And we'll find that God takes care of all of the rest. God takes care of all of the necessities of life. Don't worry. Don't worry. And Jesus goes on in this wonderful teaching to tell us why we should not worry. Verse 26 of Matthew 6. He says, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Jesus reminds us that the Father is always about the business of providing for us. That's one of those profound teachings that we understand when we recognize God as our Father. He cares for and provides for us. A few chapters later in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 10, verse 29 to 31, Jesus reminds us of just how, uh, how much God cares for us. He says, "'Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet, one, not, yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows.'" In other words, you are of greater worth to God. This is, again, the much more principle. You are of greater worth to God. You are much more valuable than anything else to God. Know this to be true in your own heart. God cares for you. God sent his own beloved son for you. And as the scriptures say, if God has given him for us, how will he not with him graciously give us all good things? Don't doubt God's love and concern for you, even in the midst of these very, very stressing circumstances. I love what Psalm 145, 145 says, verse 13 to 16. It boldly proclaims this: "The Lord is trustworthy in all He promises and faithful in all He does." The Lord upholds all who fall and lifts up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you, that is to you, Lord God, and you give them their food at the proper time. You open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. This is our God. This is our Father who provides for us. We are of greater worth. Jesus goes on in his words of comfort to verse 27 of this passage. He says, Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? It makes the point so obvious. Worry achieves nothing. The experts know this, the epidemiologists know this. Worry is not going to put an end to the pandemic. The physicians know this. Worry is not going to heal the sick. The economists know this. The psychologists know this. But in a much more profound way, ought we to know this? Worry does not achieve the ends of God. Jesus presents evidence, actually, for us that worry is irreverent. It fails to recognize the God who gave us life and who is sustaining it. And worry is irrelevant. It doesn't change things. And it doesn't help us in coping with our struggles. And worry is irresponsible. Someone has put it this way. It burns up psychic energy without using it to apply constructive action to the problem. That's so true. Worrying will not add a single advantage. And Jesus goes on, verse 28. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. What Jesus points out to us here in in these words is that God is able to provide and that God's ability to provide has been demonstrated abundantly. There is great evidence. God has provided for the birds and God has provided for the flowers of the field and God will provide for us. Matthew 6.32 says this, <clears throat> your heavenly Father knows that you need them. I mean, this is the observation that our Father has made us. He knows us intimately better than we know ourselves. He knows what we need. And he is so willing to provide. We get good instruction from the wise leader, the wise king of the Old Testament, Ecclesiastes um, 2, 22 to 23 says this, what do people get for all the toil and anxious striving with which they labor under the sun? All their days, their work is grief and pain. Even at night, their minds do not rest. This too is meaningless. To be anxious about all of these things, this is vanity. It's meaninglessness. Paul gives us instruction. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. These are so, these words are so wonderful. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the God of peace The God who transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I believe that one of the most profound ways of actually carrying out this is to learn to uh, express our gratitude to God for what God is doing, for what God has done and uh, what God is preparing for us for tomorrow as we rely on him. One way of reversing the trend toward anxiety is to look around at what we have and what God has done, and then to say, thank you, God. That's the theme of the heartfelt chorus that we have often sung, give thanks with a grateful heart. Whether we're weak or strong, whether we're poor or rich, We recognize that God has done great things for us. He's our master and he's our provider. He's the one who has given us kingdom life. He's given us kingdom priorities and kingdom values. And we can truly say to our God, thank you. You have provided in abundance. So Jesus' teaching is that we ought not to worry. Our Father knows and our Father provides. But then he goes on to focus our attention on the kingdom. And he tells us that we are to not only not worry, but we are to seek God's kingdom first. Verse 33 of Matthew 6. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. This is where we get our confidence in the midst of a circumstance that, that uh, pushes us toward such anxiety. Our confidence is in the King. We believe that God is the the primary actor on the stage of history. We trust in his, his providential rule that God governs all things and we believe that God is working all things out for his own good purposes and he's holding back the final judgment of history so that his work of grace can proceed even now, even in these circumstances. And when we are truly members of God's kingdom, having been born into that kingdom by the spirit of God, it follows that our highest purpose and privilege is the kingdom of God and his righteousness. This concentration on doing God's will, this is the the positive answer to worry. It's the antidote to our anxiety. Seek first God's kingdom. That's what we are to be doing in the midst of these difficult days. You remember the story of Mary and Martha um, when Jesus came to visit them? Mary chose to sit at Jesus' feet and receive his teaching, seeking the kingdom in the king. But Martha, she was busy about uh, caring for all of the needs, running around here and there, and uh, doing all of the practical activities. We find Jesus, the story comes to the point in the words that Jesus speaks, Luke 10 41 to 42, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. What is Jesus telling us? That the kingdom, seeking the kingdom, this is our one priority and we're to seek the kingdom even in the midst of these difficult circumstances. Psalm 37.4 says, Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Even in this moment, our first obligation is to seek God's kingdom. What does it mean for us in in the midst of this separation, in the midst of uh, these fears, in in the midst of the uncertainties to seek God's kingdom? We we need to uh, apply our creative uh, energies to come to understand this, but we are to seek God's kingdom and God's righteousness. What does it mean to seek God's righteousness? Well, certainly God's righteousness in our hearts Paul reminds us in Romans 3, uh, 22, that there is a righteousness that comes by faith through Jesus Christ to all who believe. And this means that there is no distinction between Jew and Gentile. All of us, all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, but we are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that comes by Christ Jesus. There's a righteousness that comes by faith, and we must, again, apply our hearts to that righteousness, righteousness righteousness of Christ in our hearts through grace. But then there's this also, the, God's righteous ways, God's righteous ways in our circumstances and in our context. God desires that his righteous rule would be exercised through us. Here's the opportunity before us in these days. Romans fourteen seventeen says, the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. It means that uh, we're to strive to practice the justice and peace and joy of the kingdom right in the midst of what we're experiencing. It means for us that we are to diligently comply with the expert advice we're given to keep everyone as safe and as healthy as possible. It means that we are to care for the needy, we are to encourage one another, we are to look after one another, physically, socially, emotionally, spiritually let's be diligent let's be creative let's be uh, frequent in our connections with each with each other what we're going to do is we're going to do our best to communicate frequently as much as we can we're going to find ways to strengthen our connectedness even in the midst of these challenges Jesus says seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and as he closes out this portion of his teaching, Jesus comes back to that theme of worry. He starts by telling us not to worry. He tells us then to seek God's kingdom. And then he comes back again and says, don't worry. Matthew six thirty four. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. What this verse teaches us is that God's provision is sufficient for the day, sufficient for the moment. God doesn't give us everything we need for, the, for tomorrow and the day after that, but he does give us what we need for today. We can be confident about that. Max Lucado has uh, written a, a beautiful little devotional book for mothers, <clears throat> and in it he has a, a selection that is cleverly titled, What Ifs and Howls, <clears throat> The Burden of Worry. And he asks the question what a mother may very well ask, what if I marry a guy who snores? And uh, another question, how will we pay for our baby's tuition? And then he goes on to comment on the statement that we've read just a moment ago, Matthew six thirty four. And Lucato uses this rendering, God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. Here's the key. Meet today's problems with today's strength as God gives it. Don't start tackling tomorrow's problems until tomorrow. You don't have tomorrow's strength yet. You simply have enough for today. There's wisdom for us. There's perspective that Jesus gives us. Our present troubles are not the only ones that the world has ever faced. And these will not be the last ones that the world faces. What counts is not having no troubles, but knowing the joy and blessing of our Father in the midst of them. God gives us grace sufficient for the day. Let me offer you a few few things to think about as we consider how we are to live out the love and grace of God in these days. Firstly this, be patient. Be patient. These are extraordinary times, but we will get through this. There is the other side to this. I would say this as well, be prudent, act wisely, do heed the warnings that are given, don't take them lightly, follow the guidance that has been given, be prayerful. We need the blessing and provision of the Lord. We need uh, to seek that for one another. Let's be prayerful for one another. Be proactive. Find creative ways to live fully as followers of Christ in the midst of these circumstances. I want to encourage you to make use of the opportunity to join together in small groups. as, As is fitting. Uh, We can make use of phone calls. We can make use of the technological advances we have Facebook or WhatsApp or whatever, or other social media. We're going to try to communicate from our church office through email and our infolink connection through our web page and through our Facebook page. There are lots of opportunities for us to be proactive and uh, find ways to meet and uh, share together and be together and uh, build our connectedness even while we don't meet as a large congregation. And finally let me say this, be at peace. Be at peace. The Lord Almighty is with us. For every believer, there should be a quiet glow, a a radiance about us, that comes from acknowledging the rule of God in our lives and from seeking to act righteously and by that to stay in a right relationship with God. And when those things are in place, a Christian life stands out uh, like a beacon of light in surrounding gloom. There is uh, a story in the life of the 14th century German mystic Johann Tauler. It's really a remarkable story that uh, shows something of the attitude Jesus was looking for in his disciples, even as they faced challenging times. Here's, it. Here's the way it goes. One day, Toller met a beggar. He had just so little. But Toller said, God give you a good day, my friend. The beggar answered, I thank God I never had a bad one. Then Toller said, well, God give you a happy life, my friend. I thank God, said the beggar, that I am never unhappy. In amazement, Toller asked, What do you mean? Well, the beggar said, when it, is, when it is fine, I thank God. When it rains, I thank God. When I have plenty, I thank God. When I'm hungry, I thank God. And since God's will is my will, and whatever pleases him pleases me, why should I say I am unhappy when I am not? Toller looked at the man in astonishment, and he asked, Who are you? And the beggar said, I am a king. Toller asked, Where then is your kingdom? And the beggar replied quietly, In my heart. It's a wonderful gift that God has given us his peace, his rule, his presence in our hearts. So we are to rejoice and know the, the peace and strength of the kingdom. David's psalm says it well Psalm 46, 10 and 11. The Lord says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. God bless you as you move forward together in these very different days. And may he give you peace. May he give you strength. May his blessing be abundant and evident every step of your way. Let me pray for us together. Gracious God, how, how wonderful and encouraging is your word. How much we need to have it in our hearts. Lord, share your strength with us. Lift us up. Give us hearts that reflect yours. Teach us to uh, use our minds, our creativity our our ability to think through and work through and strategize and uh, find ways uh, to to do your will. help us, Lord God, help us to care for one another, help us even in these in the different mode of connection in these days <clears throat> to find extraordinary ways of demonstrating the love of Christ and the power of God in it for the glory of Jesus, our Savior, and God, our Father, we pray. Amen.